0: Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching, the community and podcast designed to inspire your mindset and help you take daily action towards your goals to achieve your dreams. I am your host, Gina Johnson. Aaron was a police chief, husband, and father when he experienced a close call with death. After realizing that he could have suffered a heart attack, mini stroke, or aneurysm, he experienced change in his life. He shares his journey through more than a decade of personal growth and a shift from surviving to now living an intentional life that is thriving. Through his career, he was often asked, why did this happen to me? He shares his experience answering this for now himself, as well as others that he helped navigate through the process to come to understanding. Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Aaron Keith-Hawkins, who is an inspirational author of Million Dollar Influence, a leadership keynote speaker, podcast host, LinkedIn sales trainer, and influence expert. He thrives on helping others to improve their businesses and personal lives by mastering the skills of authentic influence, personal leadership, and value-based decision-making. In addition to being an entrepreneur, he has spent over two decades as a public servant, serving as a police captain in his New Jersey community. I am so excited to see where this interview today goes as he shares his personal story with us. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Gina, thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, I love, uh, I I love, I always laugh when I hear my own intro because I'm like, wow, that's like five different directions there, but I guess that's cool.
0: That is cool. And before we get into your past, will you tell everyone just a little bit more, so you can just add on to that of what your life is like today?
1: Yeah, life today is is much like the bio. Quite a few things to do. Uh, I, I am still at the tail end of my law enforcement career as a police captain, so that's still going on for another couple months. Literally about two months, uh, just shy of two months now. Uh, I also have coaching clients, uh, business coaching clients who I kind of focus on LinkedIn as a lead generation mechanism, uh, relationship building that turns into lead generation. And I do mindset coaching for people to come to me, anything from relationships, uh, and mindset. You know, usually it's entrepreneurs I work with when it deals with that. So a lot of times we blur the line between business and, uh, personal life. And I do keynote speaking and I'm an author now Uh, Had my first book came out last year. So, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the term thought leader, but when I'm forced to corner myself into a phrase or kind of short definition of what I do, I suppose that's the best definition I can come up with right now would be uh, that thought leader platform type space. But I keep promising myself I'm going to come up with a better title. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: Wow. So as we kind of unpack your story, I'm so excited to jump ahead to where you are now. But perhaps you can take us back to where perhaps your story would start and then walk us through your path to get to where you are now.
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Gina. I, for me, it started very – My my career had nothing to do with the entrepreneurial work that I'm doing now. I started a law enforcement career back in ninety five. Um, as yeah, nineteen ninety five was my first year as a police officer and, and life was pretty normal. I got got uh married after about a year and you know, life was very much blue collar routine and I had the house and two cars and two dogs and wound up having a wife and I wound up having a daughter in two thousand and six, uh our daughter Sophia, she's thirteen now. Uh life was really, really good. And What changed for me sort of overnight, literally, was in 2009, I believe it was, uh, December 2009, wound up having an incident where I came home at night and went to bed. It was a relatively normal day. And I woke up at 1.30 in the morning with this massive chest pain. And I, and, I, and I know we were talking before the show started today that you, you you certainly had your bout with health issues and had a heart attack. And, and that certainly mm-hmm. changed the course of your life. And it's I had found myself having those same symptoms at 1.30 in the morning. I had this massive chest pain, and it was radiating down my arm. And it, it woke me from my sleep. Mm-hmm. And I remember staring at the wall. Um completely confused because I start I woke up and I'm thinking, what's happening to me? Why am I in this pain? And I I wound up sitting up uh, in the bed. My wife's still sleeping next to me. And I tried to get, believe it or not, I tried to get up and walk it off because it seemed to make sense at the time. Like I, I, I actually was able to get myself up. I stood up in the bedroom and I started pacing alongside the bed, just thinking it was gonna pass. Like it was just something that was gonna pass. Yeah. Um, but after about 10 seconds, I realized that something was wrong and it wasn't just going to go away. So I, I had this, it, it, it was like a light bulb moment where I realized that if I was having what I was afraid of happening, uh, if I actually was having a heart attack and I didn't make it that either my wife or our three-year-old daughter or both were going f- could possibly find me in the morning. And mm-hmm. that just freaked me out. I, I woke her up. She called uh, woke up. My wife told her to ask her to call 911. I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And, you know, I, I feel horrible now that I woke my wife out of her sleep to say those words. It's sort of surreal even sit recounting it right now. Yeah. Uh, but she looked at me and she just said, Are you sure? And she grabbed the phone. And I tried to wait for like another beat, just hoping that maybe it was a false alarm. Um, but I said, No, I think you have to call you have to call. And she dialed one, and as soon as she called and I watched her dialing the phone, it felt like there was a big dial on my back, like kind of labeled energy. And it felt like somebody turned off all the energy in my body and I collapsed at the foot of the bed. And I couldn't move, could barely hear anything. I could, I could hear like as if I was underwater, everything was muffled and I was immobile and my vision was just closing down to a narrow point. And what the reason that this whole story changed wasn't the health scare itself. It was the fact that in that moment, when I actually thought I was checking out, uh, I wasn't afraid of being gone. What I wound up having was this unexpected wave of regret that I had just left so much undone. It was it was as if somebody kind of slapped me across the back of the head and said, "Look at what you failed to do and become. Like you had so much opportunity. It felt like there was this big." vacuum, like a void behind me, where I, there were so many opportunities, which now in hindsight, or at least at that moment in hindsight, seemed obvious. But to me, I'd just been living what I considered to be a normal life. And so I did, you know, the uh, obligatory promising to God that if he lets me live, <laughs> everything would change. And I uh, wound up going to the hospital for a couple of days, And it turns out they ruled out a heart attack relatively quickly. And they they ultimately think I had a a TIA or mini stroke. Um, But fortunately I've been, health has been good since then. No residual symptoms, uh, nothing on wood, of course. Uh, But that was, that was the beginning of a lot of new beginnings for me. I like to call it my worst, the worst and best day of my life in in many ways.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that was a moment.
0: Now, A mini stroke can be deadly if you do not get to the hospital quickly, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Potentially. Um, Strokes are one of those funny things where depending on the type and the severity and duration, you know, we've seen just recently, uh, we've seen stories of uh, people passing away from a stroke. But Fortunately, mine uh, was at the low end of the scale and you know, they they couldn't even confirm that it was that, but that was their their suspected uh, uh, culprit, so to speak. They had me doing. T- it was funny. They ran me for a battery of tests for over the course of a couple of days. They spent one day testing my heart and the second day testing my brain. And at the, at the at the by the end, fortunately, they said I had both and they were both functioning pretty well. So they they allowed me to go home. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's um i was grateful to to get home and and have that put that behind me but yeah changed a lot of things
0: my vision for this podcast is to help people that have just suddenly hit a brick wall and don't know where to yeah. go is that kind of where you were that next day when you woke up
1: that was, yeah, it, it was funny because there's so many things going on at once. Uh, number one, you know, there was a lot of confusion. that The doctors w- couldn't confirm exactly what was going on. Uh, by the end of the second day, they were telling me I had a possible brain aneurysm. Uh, so that took another couple of weeks to, even though they had sent me home, they that took a couple another other weeks to do some follow-ups to rule that out. And I, I for me, that moment was... My brick wall, to use your your phrasing, because I I've, I felt completely guilty that up to that point I realized that I had just been living life to to fit in, and having that healthcare scare and realizing that you know I was literally could have been a heartbeat away from being gone, I felt completely selfish because and it wasn't about I could have been more successful or could have made more money. It was about feeling like i had cheated life so to speak and and sort of cheated my my family and friends that because i i, I realized quickly that you know I, I certainly could have been a better husband could have been a better father a better friend a better peer better co-worker supervisor all those things that i was for as well as i was doing i felt like i was kind of uh i was on the rails is the best way I could put it. I was kind of coasting through life as opposed to really thriving through it and looking to make an influence, uh, making a bigger influence and having a better impact. Uh, so that that regret was hard to shake. And it's what was interesting in the moment was that I didn't, re, I didn't know what I needed to do different. I just knew I needed to start doing things differently. And that began now, what is it? Has been a de- decade-long journey into the world of uh, personal development and perform, uh, motiv- uh, human performance and motivational theory. And from you know from from the day I left that hospital, <laughs> it's it's funny when I wound up getting home, I realized okay. When I know that when many people have these moments, whether it's a health scare or some type of major life event. And a lot of people may hit a wall and feel like, OK, things need to change. And it's not quite the way it, it felt for me. What it felt like was something had changed. I just couldn't quite sh- wasn't quite sure what it was that it changed and what I needed to do next. I knew I needed to take a step in a different direction. So I wound up going back to wound up going back to school and, and uh, finishing my undergrad and then uh, went on to get my graduate degree in leadership. Uh, but what changed things even more than education was I wound up thinking, okay, who do you turn to when you know you want to change something in your life, but you're not sure what to do? And I had never so much at that point. I don't think I'd been within 10 feet of a self-help book at all. <laughs> I, 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 I Honestly, it was the idea of personal development and self-help was just completely foreign to me. Um, but I knew the name Tony Robbins so i went home and this is a uh, I, I went home and googled tony robbins and of course having been a police officer at that point for what close to 15 years i typed tony robbins and then the word scam because i wanted <laughs> to make sure you know i was so skeptical i i i just wanted to find out the dangers of tony robbins so to speak it was kind of weird the way my the, the human brain works you're looking for the danger yeah, yeah. um but uh, long story short, I, I wound up uh, purchasing Tony's uh, Unleashed the Power within CD set, some box set. I wound up getting off his website, I think, and that was the beginning for me. Into that was my first first time I kind of dipped my foot into the pool of personal development and changing the way we think about the things we do. And from there, I, that began a roller coaster ride for me of really diving in. I learned a lot from some, some of Tony's work. I enjoyed it for me because there's a lot of what he talked about was very pragmatic. It just made sense to me. And I just started reading more and more books, you know, I found myself in Barnes Nobles and borders back in the day when that was still open and just you know, grabbing all these books I could grab from people like Tony and, and, uh, Gosh, Zig Ziglar and the Les Browns and more recently Mel Robbins and uh, uh, Brendan Machard and Robin Sharma, like all these names of people that I've come to really appreciate and I've learned so much from. And uh, that really opened me up to think about who I was being in the various contexts of my life, who I was being as a husband and who I was being as a dad and as a friend and as a coworker. And when I changed the way I started showing up in the world, it really changed the way I felt about myself. It changed the level of gratitude that I had for um, the people around me. And it totally changed my perspective about how much I could actually influence what was going on in my life and what I was influencing in my life. And that's probably the Big, was the biggest game-changer
0: for me. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So far, that's <laughs> so inspiring. And you said that none of your entrepreneur work has to do with your career as a police officer. True. I'm wondering, though, is there anything, when you dig deep down, that you learn as an officer? Because my uncle was a police officer. I don't know if you're familiar with the downtown east side in Vancouver. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have a friend from uh, I have an East Vanner. Uh, we have a friend in the family. Uh, she calls herself an East Vanner. Uh, so yeah, well have been actually one of it's one of my daughter's favorite cities. She loves Vancouver. Uh, but yeah, I'm familiar with uh, Vancouver. It's great, a fun place to be.
0: <laughs> and he was very conspiracy theory, very skeptical, very cautious to let us do yeah. anything. You know, as a teenager, so I can't help but wonder when you're surrounded by that type of mindset all day does it actually set you on a path in what you want to learn and who you want to help?
1: Yeah. It's interesting how my law enforcement career, to me, it felt, it felt like it helped me a lot because what ultimately wound up happening was the more I learned about uh, the world of um, personal development and motivational, motivational theory and human needs theories, all these things that I ultimately wound up coaching my clients in. As I was, learning it and it was it was affecting me like a totally my my career trajectory changed as I started applying the things I was learning my marriage changed my relationship with my daughter and many of my friends completely changed it in a good way it, it probably a better word than changed is evolved it really evolved because I started looking at I started comparing the actions I was taking that felt very normal to me and I started chall- challenging challenging little things with uh, the results that they were leading to. And I started making a lot of micro adjustments in how I was showing up at work and making micro adjustments in how I was showing up uh, at home with my wife and with friends and learning things about rapport building and and feedback and active listening, and little stuff like that, that I was just, I was kind of having fun with. Um, but when it comes to the law, law enforcement, that career, how it, how it transi- transitioned into this was the biggest piece of leverage it gave me is that I had spent at that point a decade and a half dealing with this wide array of people and personalities and challenges daily that my life was, you know, dealing with people on many times their worst day. So I had this massive amount of human interaction and I was able to, as I was learning, learning about, um, like human needs theory and motivational theory, I was able to apply it sort of as my own petri dish on my day-to-day job, and I would I would challenge myself about the own, my own theories that I started developing and the frameworks I was developing that I was using in my coaching practice, I was using it at work, and and it was just interesting to to have that kind of the opportunity to have that many that that many interactions on my day-to-day job. Uh, that most people just never have access to most, you know, we don't usually, the average person doesn't go out, go to work and wind up dealing people with people in their worst and most horrific days. But that was my life. That was my normal life. Our, our agency handles 30,000 calls a year. Uh, and during the course of my career, I think, you know, probably at this point, up to, upwards to a million calls for service that, you know, uh, in cases that I wound up being exposed to. So, There's a lot of practical experience and there's a lot of even before this happened, I had to develop a lot of empathy with people, a lot of the willingness to listen and understand and and recognize patterns, patterns of behavior, what works, what doesn't work. So I think I have a really big leg up uh, from a coaching perspective because of my career.
0: And did it change your perception of the people that you would be serving, or I don't know what you would call it, working with each day on the streets?
1: Uh, as far as coworkers or the people that I was serving in the community,
0: yeah, in the community,
1: in a, um, it did. I, I I'd always I'd always been sort of that that big friendly guy, like I'm, you know. I'm 6'4", like, well, back then I was like 2'30", I'm a little bit more now. <laughs> um, but I was this big guy, but I was always the, the nice guy. I was always proud of, um, you know, I, I like to say I was always proud of the fights I avoided, not the fights that I got in, if that makes any sense, you know, because, I mean, deal, doing what I do, you're going to have people that are just mm-hmm. doing them what they want to do, and, and people you have to arrest, and in the world there's a lot of people in the world that do a lot of bad things, but... What I think the what I was learning, it did give me an ability to understand people better. And I already had I always felt like the empathetic one, the listener, the one that was willing to just have that take the extra five minutes to have that conversation. It's sort of the culture of my agency anyway. Um, I always tell people a lot of times I watch CNN and it just seems so or any news channel, and when we would see these stories about these just horrific interactions, these police-related interactions that make the headline news, it just seems so foreign and disturbing because, you know, while far from perfect, our agency, for the most part, we had a lot of good relationships and um, a culture of patience when we interact with people. It's just the way we kind of do things. So but I think learning more about the human psychology and things of that nature, it definitely, if nothing else, it helped me understand people better and say, okay, this is what's going on. So in other words, you know, if I were dealing with someone who's uh, having some kind of domestic interaction and and they're upset about something their child did or their girlfriend did and they're angry, um, I'd be able to recognize quickly what they needed. They needed some, sure, they, they they felt, it felt like they weren't being recognized enough or listened to. And, you know, I was say, okay, this person, I really need to let this person vent because if I don't try to let them vent and if I try to just tell them what needs to happen next, you know, I'm just going to exacerbate the situation, not intentionally, but it gave me the awareness of what I needed to do to deescalate things. Um, so that was a, that was a big advantage.
0: That's yeah. a pretty powerful one.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely.
0: So my own nosy self could want to go down that path all day, <laughs> but bringing us back to your story, I'm yeah. really curious to fill in that gap of how you got from reading all these books and going yeah. back to school to having this presence that you do now on LinkedIn.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's certainly an evolution. I, I I would say that the first major step I took. Well, what what wound up happening was so I had this event, this health scare. And then, as I said, I went to school, and then simultaneously, I started just diving into the world of personal development. It it felt like the right thing that I needed at the time, and I started seeing my life positively evolve because of it. And I guess I had a light bulb moment one day because I I, I recall a time when my wife asked me if—she asked me about the job, which— she doesn't do a ton. I mean, we 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 talk a lot, but for one day specifically, she kind of asked me if I if there was any one thing that I had enjoyed the most about my career. And I'd been, I'd done a lot. I'd been in a, an instructor at the police academy for years. i spent 15 years on the SWAT team. I was a tr- field training officer. So I did a lot of things outside of just the guy driving around on a police car answering calls. I did a lot of specialized um, functions. But I want to tell him. I said, you know what? By far, the most the thing I enjoyed more than anything else was teaching. I loved the opportunity to go to the academy and teach, and I loved the opportunity to teach um, new officers one-on-one and teach a class, uh, an in-service class at our agency. I loved teaching. It just gave me. It came naturally. Gave me a level level of satisfaction that nothing else really gave me, and. Which, oddly enough, because I'd always been very introverted by nature growing up and through most of my life. But when I was given the opportunity to get on a, I guess, stage, to use air quotes, I loved it. I I, I loved getting somebody from point A to point Z. So as I learned these things, and when my wife asked me that, I sort of had, I eventually wound up having a light bulb moment where I realized, you need to teach what you've been learning because your life and your career and your marriage and and your mental well-being has benefited so much from the things you've been doing and learning. You need to share that. So uh, I wound up reading a book that uh, a guy named uh, Brendan Burchard Burchard put out years ago. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's sort of a coach and a thought leader and a multi-time author. And he had a book at the time that came out called The Millionaire Messenger. And I think it was around that time, it might even been before that, I decided that I was gonna start my own website. So I got my domain, found my domain name was available, and I built a website and built a blog. And then from there, I decided that I was gonna do some podcasting. And then from there, I decided I was gonna do some coaching. And, And I started, the simplest way I can put it is, I started doing things that scared the living heck out of me one by one. I was terrified the day I launched my website. I was twice as terrified the day I recorded my first podcast episode, which is weird because nobody heard it but me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just I wasn't recording it live to a studio audience. I was recording it in my office, but I was massively terrified. You've probably been there, Gina. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just with so all these things that felt like there's no way in heck I have any business doing it. I just developed this habit of doing it, and it snowballed, and, you know, my my first time I coached somebody, it felt awkward, but did it anyway because it felt awkward. It was almost like this act of defiance, you know, as I would get scared to do something, I would do it to prove that the fear didn't have to stop me. And I guess it's, you know, it's it's definitely not, I guess I'm sure now I certainly know that is a phenomenal habit to have. And it's something I encourage my my clients to do, like, just tell me what scares you. And then when they finally let out the real thing, they try to tell me something that's not so bad, but then they get to the real thing. And then I tell them they need to go do it. So that's what happened for me. I just kept one thing at a time. I I kept... Doing things that scared things that scared me, and I learned I learned how to do a lot of things on my own. I built my website myself. I set up my you know my automation and my email sequences. I started doing social media on my own. Everything was I did in part because I loved doing it, uh, but also in part because I knew that this career, the law enforcement career, was coming to an end, and I knew I wanted to transition into what I'm what I've uh, been doing to a smaller scale, I, I, I knew I was going to do it on a completely full scale. So um, I was very intentional about it. Uh, it was terrifying, but it's it has evolved far beyond anything I expected it to be. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn, that, that became its own monster. Uh, I, I, when I started on LinkedIn, I had this just a little profile of me in my with the FBI flag behind me from when I was down in Quantico, Virginia. I went to a school there for 10 weeks, and I completely changed my LinkedIn profile to my thought leadership platform, and now you know, suddenly I have, I don't know, somewhere around 15,000 uh, people that, I'm, that are following me now on LinkedIn, and I don't know how it happened because I've only been doing it part-time, and I've, I actually have a client that I have to coach today uh, because I'm, I'm now... I've added that to my repertoire of what I do, teaching people how to get clients using LinkedIn. So it's been an evolution, certainly, which is something I encourage people to do when they hit their wall: is to decide what the meaning is, what the reason was for what happened. I did an episode, I did an episode a while back, I think it was last year, about um, do things happen for a reason, and to. I certainly encourage people to go back and listen to it. But if you don't, the, I can tell you the point is this. I, I believe p- things do happen for a reason, but I think things ha- that reason is to give us the opportunity to decide what the reason is. I, I, we get to choose what the reason is. I certainly could have had my event and gone and gotten through it and lived and say, whoo, that was close and wiped my forehead and went and had a beer and just went on a living life as usual. There are plenty of people that have done that. Gina, just like you, you could have gone through your experience and done absolutely nothing with it. You could have just been grateful to survive, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the listener, I, I think the best thing I would love the person listening to this to remember is whatever has happened in your life that is that moments or maybe a series of moments, if you're wondering why it happened, the answer is simple. You get to choose why it happened there there there's nobody who can score the answer is right or wrong when it comes to why did something happening at the end of the day you just choose we get to choose the story and, and the reason uh for things happening and that's that's very liberating
0: Amen to that. I can't think of anything to add <laughs> that's gonna talk Trump what you just said
1: <laughs> well thank you um yeah it's the truth though it's 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 something that um and it's, I know it's easier said than done and I certainly have been through plenty of situations where I've, you know had people asking me very sincerely and wholeheartedly why did this happen but that's 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 the simplest answer answer that there is nobody is coming down to tell us why something happened so because no one is it's up to us to decide we get to decide and make it a, make it a good reason yeah
0: as you're sharing i have this like interesting visual i think this is so important for people to really take a minute to just think about this because public speaking is so scary and your job is to run into homes where there's domestic violence and you've been on a SWAT team where you have yeah. to use a gun. And to me, that's the most terrifying thing in the world. But even though you can do all those things, speaking still scary.
1: Oh gosh, T- terrifying. When, when I, when I, before I step on a stage to do a keynote, I have, the the rea- the physical reaction that my body's happening at the time the hand sweat the heart racing all those things um I love it because i it, it, there's there's a very small difference between fear and exhilaration uh and many times both of them happen at the same time think we were just, you were just, we were just talking about disney you, know, you think of a roller coaster or something that is a combination of fear and exhilaration, and that's the experience that. That's one of the things I love about being on a stage. It's funny you mentioned the SWAT team because I've been on hundreds of, of raids, and, and, you know, all geared up with, you know, the automatic weapons and body armor and the helmets and stuff. But I never felt, I rarely ever felt really scared in the same way. I felt safe because I'm surrounded by 15 people who I know are the best in the world at what they do and they're armed to the teeth. The, I, I always felt so comfortable. Doing that, as insane as, the, as that sounds, I know it sounds completely nuts. But, but I'd be scared. I went, it, it really is. It, it, I, I in the strangest way, and I remember years ago I told my wife that she was like she would, obviously she'd be concerned whenever I, she knew I had to go do a, a SWAT job or whether whether it was a pre pre-plan, planned pre planned raid or, or an emergency call out. She, you know, she'd say, "Be careful." I said, "Honey, I'm never safer than I'm when I'm never safer than when I'm with my team. Like I know that I'm safe with them." And that's just how I felt. I always felt more scared when I wasn't with that unit because I may be just on a day-to-day job. I was just maybe with one other officer, one or two other officers, and we weren't expecting something bad to happen. But, yeah, the SWAT thing never really scared me that much. It was just uh, a great opportunity to do something that, you know, a necessary evil, so to speak. I don't know if that's the best term to put it, but it was uh, was exciting. But, yeah, speaking— Oh, that scared me. My first podcast, terrified. Absolutely terrified. First time on stage speaking in front of an audience of complete strangers, yeah. Scared the heck out of me. But that's what makes it worth it.
0: Good to hear because I don't know about your clients, but every single client I work with always tells me they're scared to start doing Facebook Lives or start to go out and speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know it's funny. It's 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 interesting you say that. I, I think I feel more comfortable getting on a stage at a you know at, at, a, at a paid pre keynote that I've been hired to do. Uh, I think I'm more comfortable doing that. I think the Facebook Lives make me a little bit more nervous because they're off the cuff. I don't know who's watching, who's not watching. It's there's a, there's a lot of unknown going on there.
0: I hear you there. Well, I'm so sad our time is coming to an end. It's gone by so fast, and I still have to ask you to share your favorite book and podcast with us, please.
1: Uh, favorite book and podcast. Okay. I have to narrow it down, don't I? I got it's so That's one of the hardest questions in the world that when I get asked one favorite book. I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with one that I was just thinking the other day I need to read again, um, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. Um, that, that book is a game changer. That is a, most of the books I recommend, I think are really good to read. I I personally feel like every person that has the ability to read should absolutely have to read Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Victor Frankel. Um, yeah, it, it is amazing. I saw you, I see you nodding your head when I said it. it. It is, it is an amazing book. I just. Brilliant.
0: I swear there needs to be like some kind of warning on that book that if you're kind of like me, don't read it at bedtime.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. You'll never get to sleep. Can't put it down. Yep.
0: Oh, I found it just it gave me nightmares. The first half of that book. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It was was a a must read for sure. But some of that stuff he went through was just unbelievable.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, disturbing for sure. Tragic for sure, but just a powerful, uh, book and, um, yeah, very, very powerful human story.
0: Good Absolutely. one. All right. What about your favorite podcast?
1: <sighs> favorite podcast? And I have so many. I love the world of podcasting. And I'm fortunate. I, I, I love the opportunity to do shows like yours. So I'm going to I'm gonna just go off and exclude your podcast and mine because obviously they're at the top of my list. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with. Do you want to give me a topic, business, or otherwise?
0: Anything. Like, what's on your phone right now? Like, what are you going to listen to, say, this month?
1: This month, I will definitely listen to – I will pick up my phone and tell you. If I'm going to listen to a podcast right now, I am going to go to – you know what? Because I haven't listened to him in a minute and I just talked to them, um, The Brendan Show by Brendan Bouchard. Uh love hearing, hearing that guy talk. He's just a ball of energy. I got that right here. <laughs> uh, you got him there, the Brandon show? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. one of my faves. And yeah, I'm glad you asked the question because it made me realize it has been too long since I listened to my man, Brandon. So a uh, phenomenal podcast, one of my favorites. And he's been a big part of my journey as far as uh, building this platform. So tip of the cap to him.
0: Have you had him on your show yet?
1: I have not. I have not. I have not. But uh that is, that is one of those missions that I'm constantly on. I'll get there. I will. <laughs> Ooh,
0: can we give you the mission to overcome that fear if you haven't sent him an invite to do it?
1: Absolutely. Yep. I'll take you up on it. I will absolutely take you up on it.
0: The the Synergy audience can help. If you guys are still listening at this point of the podcast, that's awesome. Go onto social media and just quickly tweet or send Brendan Bouchard a message and uh, yeah, we'll help get you on the show.
1: Tell him he's got to be a guest. He's got to be good a guest.
0: And I'll link cool. everything, like everything you've shared at SynergyMindsetCoaching.com. Aaron Hawkins, A-A-R-O-N. Absolutely. This is where we say goodbye and thank you for being such a great guest and open and vulnerable and sharing your story.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I sincerely appreciate you and sincerely appreciate you, the listener, for hanging out with us. You're the best.
0: I just, I want to give you the opportunity to leave with where people can connect with you. And if you just feel anything led to share, then the mic is all yours.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. The, the simplest place to find me is at my home base, which is Aaron dot That's A-A-R-O-N. Keithhawkins.com. And if you go there, you can find links to everything, my podcast, um, links to contact me, things that nature. I always have a free copy of my book that I give away Uh, I always tell people, I didn't write my book to sell it. I wrote it with the purpose of just making it available. So if anybody wants a free copy of my book, it's called Million Dollar Influence, How to Create Life-Changing Connection, Trust, and Impact in Your Business and Life. And it's always available at AaronKeithHawkins.com forward slash MDI, the MDI for Million Dollar Influence. So always a free copy available there for anybody who wants to give it a read. I highly recommend it. It's a fun read, and it's very casual. so um, yes, yeah, a bit of a page turn. It reads more like a conversation than a lecture, which is totally my thing. Don't like lectures, but I love conversations. <laughs> so that's it. Thank you so much for again for having me.
0: And welcome back. I'd love to hear what your takeaways were from today's interview with Aaron. We covered a lot from his own personal, a medical experience, to how he asked himself that question, why did this happen to me, to seeing him make a shift into a different field of work, something that was really meaningful to him and allowed him to help others. My takeaway is that you can really make an impact in people's lives no matter what you do. His life as a law officer, he was really able to take that 10 to 15 years of personal growth training that he was receiving, or education that you could call it, and he was able to put it to work and learn from it with the people he was working with every day, all the way to, by the time that this is airing, he will already have left his job in law enforcement, I believe, and now be working full time in the space of helping others on LinkedIn. So I think that is so cool to hear that journey, and I wish him all the best of success. And to you that are listening, I wish all the best success for you. Whether you're listening from the place of when he first had his, uh, whatever it was, a stroke or an aneurysm, the medical incident that happened, if you're in that place of just kind of asking those questions, why did this happen? Or if you're in that place of making a transition into a new field or a new arena or a new career, I wish you all the best. Please share this with your friends, your family, anyone that you feel will benefit. And if you enjoyed this interview with Aaron, please reach out to him. Everything will be at the show notes at SynergyMindsetCoaching.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with another inspiring interview.